الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ومن اقتدى بسنته إلى يوم الدين أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كلام الله وخير الهدي هدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد So we continue with the explanation of Umdha Tal-Ahkam Kitab Al-Siyam and last week we studied the third and fourth hadith and regarding the suhoor or the sahoor and its virtue and its blessings and also uh, we discussed regarding um, the pregnant uh, fasting woman and the breastfeeding fasting woman as well I mentioned the, the opinion that uh, uh, we hold from uh, the opinion of Sheikh al-Bani and also before him no doubt Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma and that is that if it's difficult for them and they fear for themselves and their child that they should um, um, feed for every day that they break their fast a poor person it's a big difference of opinion between the ulama and it's up to uh, the listener to see which opinion that they hold but from our humble uh, research, uh, we, uh, um, I've come to the conclusion that um, the correct opinion is that of Sheikh Al-Mani and Wabillahi Tawfiq. Al-Hadith Al-Khamis, the fifth hadith, and Aishata wa Ummi Salama radiyallahu anhuma أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يدركه الفجر وهو جنب من أهله ثم يختسل ويصوم. In this fifth hadith in Kitab al-Siyam, Aisha أم المؤمنين Aisha and Um Salama from the Muhat al-Mu'minin رضي الله عنهما they said that the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم would wake up at Fajr time in a state of junub from having relations with his family, from having relation with his family. And then he would do ghusl and uh, take that spiritual bath and and he would fast for that day, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Regarding this hadith, barakallahu uh, feekum, we will deal with um, a few benefits and a few nuqat wa masail and issues. The first is the tarjama of the rawi or rawiyatan or rawiyatain and that is uh, two narrators here in this hadith. Both are the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The first is Aisha radiallahu anha um al-mu'mineen bint Abi Bakr Saddiq a Sadiqah bint a Sadiq, kama yuqal. 
Aisha radiallahu anha, the daughter of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, the companion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The best companion was Abu Bakr, no doubt, from the hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where he said, اتخذ الله إبراهيم خليلا ولو كنت متخذا من أمتي خليلا لتخذت أبو بكر خليلا الله took إبراهيم as a close friend and if I was to take anyone as a close friend from my أمة it would be أبو بكر so the consensus is that أبو بكر is the best of the صحابة رضي الله عنها عنه and his daughter Aisha is the Rawi of this hadith, Rawiya of this hadith, Ummul Mu'mineen. And the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he married Aisha radiallahu anha fi Mecca, ba'da mawti Khadijata radiallahu anha. He married her after the death of Khadija radiallahu anha. And in the same year, he married Sauda radiallahu anha kathalik. And she was from the most illustrious of the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the messenger said regarding her, Fadl Aisha ta'ala al-Nisa kafadli thareed ala sa'il al-ta'am. He said sallallahu alayhi wasallam regarding her virtues that the virtue of Aisha radiyallahu ta'ala anha from amongst all of the women is like the virtue of thareed which is a, a very much favoured type of food as it relates to other food basically she is the best of women and this is why a uh, majority of the ulama that hold that the best woman is Aisha radiallahu anha others have said is Khadija and others have said is Maryam Um Isa alayhi salam and others have said is Asiya Zawja Fir'aun now what the correct opinion perhaps is that it's Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and her virtues are many and no doubt she radiallahu anha was an alima a scholar of hadith she narrated a lot of narrations from the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Abu Musa al-Ash'ari attested to her scholastic pedigree by mentioning, he said, "Ma ashkala alayna amrun fasalna aihta anhu illa wajadna indaha fihi ilman." It wasn't an affair or an issue that we would find a problem that that if we took it to Aisha radiallahu taala anha, except that she would find not though she would have knowledge regarding it, and she spread a lot of knowledge here, ibadullah, a lot of narrations from the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And she is from the Muqtirin. She is the only female uh, companion radiallahu ta'ala anha wa'in ashab nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ajma'in that is from the Muqtirin. And we say the Muqtirin in the, in the science of hadith are those narrators who are known to be frequent narrators and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, from them is number one is Abu Hurairah and likewise from those that we've studied so far is Aisha and she narrated she narrated 2,210 if you can jot that down 
She narrated 2,210 narrations from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This scholar of Islam, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. She died in Medina, this muhaditha, she died in Medina in Ramadan in the year 58. She died in Medina in Ramadan in the year 58. Radiallahu ta'ala anha. The second narrator in this hadith is Um Salama Hind. Her name, uh, her, her kunya is Um Salama, and her name is Hind. Bint Abi Umayya Hudayfa ibn Mughayya al Qurashi, al Qurashiya. Ibn Mughira al Qurashiya. And that is that she is, uh, her name is Hind, and she is the daughter of Abi Umayya. And she's Makzumiya. She is from the foremost of those who embraced Islam. And she married her cousin Abu Salama and they both migrated to Habasha in the first migration and then they returned to, Medi to Mecca they returned to Mecca both of them Abu Salama and Um Salama and they both migrated to Medina then Abu Salama he died in the battle of Uhud and then she married after that the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and she was from the she was from those who was known to have uh, acute sense she was very very intelligent she was very intelligent and wise um salama anha and this is attested in many narrations of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and she was um, trustworthy and when she, uh, when her husband died, Abu Salama, she used to love him. And she said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. She was patient when he died, radiallahu anh. She said to, to Allah, uh, we, are to, we are for Allah and to him we will return. And she had iman and she had firm patience when her husband died. She made a dua when she asked, she asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ajirn Allahumma ajirni fi musibati wa li khayran min. From the hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, where he said, Ama min abdin tusibuhu musibatan fi yaqulu inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Allahumma ajirni fi musibati wa li khayran minha. With the Messenger وسلم, he said in the hadith that there isn't a slave that is afflicted with an affliction. And then they say, for, We are for Allah and to Him we return. Oh Allah, give me reward and aid me for my patience and give me that which is better than that which I have lost. The Prophet ﷺ said, nobody says this except that Allah will give them that which is better and reward them for their sabr and their patience. And this was a dua that Um Salama anha, she made. And indeed Allah answered her dua as she married that which is better, uh, someone who is better than Abu Salama even though she loved Abu Salama so much, she made dua that Allah 
will replace and give her someone who is better. And no doubt she did receive someone who was better as a husband. And that was the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. And she lived, uh, she was from the, 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 the Sahabi, the Ashab Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from the companions of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who died late as it relates to the Tariq al-Islam, the history of al-Islam. And she was the last of the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to die. Um Salama, jot down, was the last of the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to die. Radiyallahu ta'ala anha. Again, she was a scholar of Al-Islam, a wise companion and well-respected radiyallahu ta'ala anha. Point number two, after the biography of the two narrators, Aisha and Umm Salama, note that they are both the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi and they narrated this hadith regarding the Prophet sallallahu waking up in the state of Junub and making ghusl and fast in that specific day at Fajr. Now, number two, Mawdu al Hadith. We're going to give a title to this hadith in order for us to uh, aid or to aid us in our understanding of the rulings and the fiqh and the hakam and uh, that which pertains to this hadith. And that is Hukum Sawm and Aswaha Junuban. Very simply put, and that is the ruling of the one who wakes up in a state of junub. And we mean junub, and that is, as Ibn Uthaymeen, rahimullah ta'ala, he said, junub is kulluma awjab al-ghusul min inzalin awjima. And he said, that which uh, necessitates having a bath from waking up or uh, from uh, not just waking up, but that which necessitates uh, having a bath from uh, any type of uh, ejaculation that occurs for the man or the woman. Either, for example, nocturnal emission in the night or after having relations with the spouse. And the title is Hukum Soman Asbaha Junaban. And the title is the ruling of the fast of the individual who wakes up in that state. Naam. And it's after Fajr. And it's after Fajr. And this is the issue here. As for before Fajr, there's no doubt that there's no uh, ishkal, no issue there. But that which may be of concern to many is what happens when you wake up in that state after Fajr. And no doubt we know that the Siyam begins with the adhab al-thani, the second adhan, yani for fajr. What happens if after that, the individual wakes up in that state of impurity? Major impurity, kama yuqal. Point number three. Point number three. So we say that in general, Aisha radiallahu anha and Umm Salama radiallahu anha from the mothers of the believers and they were from those that had the most knowledge of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam that which he would do in his house they both are telling us that the messenger the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he used to have relations with his family in ramadan that's the first thing that he used to have relations with his families in ramadan 
and then he would fast when it became Fajr and he hadn't Barakalafikum taken the ghusl, the bath. He'll continue with his fast, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he wouldn't make that up. And these two companions, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, are informing us of this. Now, the next point we're going to mention is some general benefits that we can take from this hadith, some hikam, some wisdom, benefits as it relates to the ruling, benefits as it relates to uh, seeking knowledge, and so forth. Number one, and that is, that the person who wakes up in that state of Junub, and that is either they had uh, relations uh, with their, their wife, or the woman had relations with her husband, or either one of them, or a man or a woman, woke up with nocturnal emissions, or a wet dream as, as, as is uh, uh, mentioned and, and, and called, that their fast is valid, even if they don't do ghusl before Fajr. So it's not a must that they have to do ghusl before Fajr. Even if they do ghusl after Fajr, their fast is still, barakalafikum sahih, is valid due to this hadith. Number two, another benefit that we can take from the hadith is not a must that you have to make ghusl straight away after having relations with the family. It's not a fair way as soon as you finish, yeah, you have to go and make ghusl. And this is clear from this hadith of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number three, and that is that it is permissible to mention something that usually you would feel shy regarding for a benefit. And that is that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and Um Salama, both of them radiallahu they mentioned this affair of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And no doubt it's an affair where most of people will be shy in mentioning. But due to a maslaha and a benefit, and that is that, that, that which is related to seeking ilm, we do not be, and we're not shy in this regard. And no doubt Aisha and Um Salama there's none that's shy than them from amongst us. So therefore, it is permissible to mention these sensitive issues as it relates to this affair in order for one to spread the knowledge or one to receive the knowledge or if one has a question regarding this, they shouldn't be shy. But as we, Barakallahu uh, Feekum, uh, will mention, uh, uh, later is uh, that it has to be done with good etiquette it has to be done with good etiquette without being too crude the next benefit that we can take from this hadith is an affair of usul and that is that we know that the call of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the statement of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam is a proof but this is an evidence that his actions are proofs as well because he didn't say anything in this hadith but rather it was his actions that were relayed to us from the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alaihi Wasallam. Now, 
another issue that we're going to mention, and I want my beloved uh, brothers and sisters to pay attention to this affair, and that is that this affair is not a consensus. There's a narration from Barakallahu uh, Fikum Abu Hurairah radiyallahu ta'ala in that he mentioned the narration that the person who wakes up in that state that they have to make that day up and their fast is broken their fast is broken this is a, an opinion that was held by Abu Hurairah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu but the question I have no doubt is is this opinion correct? Is this opinion correct? No doubt it's not correct. And that is that the narration mentioned by Um Salama and Aisha radiallahu ta'anha, this is no doubt the correct description of what occurred with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that is because they, number one, are the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We follow delir, we follow proofs and evidences, ya ibadallah. Even though there's this narration from Abu Huraira, we know that which is narrated from Aisha and Um Salama radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in is stronger because they are the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And they are the most knowledgeable as it relates to his actions in his home. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That is the first way reasoning. The second is that we have two of the companions, Aisha and Um Salama, both saying the same things. They're both stating this, the same action of the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this strengthens that narration as it relates to the principles in Ilm Hadith, to that of Abu Huerta, radiallahu anhu, which he mentioned on his own, man asbaha junuban, aftara dhalik al and that is his fatwa that he made, that whoever wakes up in that state, they have to break their fast that day. But we have Aisha radiallahu anha and Um Salama radiallahu anha, and they both narrated in separate occasions this hadith, an action of the Messenger sallallahu so we take what they have said. So we take what they have said. And another benefit that the ulama have mentioned, and from them Imam Shafi'i rahimullah, is that we can make a qiyas, an analogy of the person who is doing ihram, the individual who is doing hajj or umrah, and then they, uh, before they do ihram and put on the, the, the izar and, and so forth, they, they, the, the man he puts on perfume. He puts on perfume because obviously when you're in ihram, you cannot do tatayyub. You cannot put on perfume when you're doing ihram for umrah or hajj. So the person he puts on ihram, uh, uh, perfume, before he puts the clothing on and makes his niyyah and ihram, he's already got perfume on him. But once he's put on the gear and he's getting ready for umrah, you can still smell the perfume the effects of that permissible act of putting perfume is still present. So likewise, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed stated in his book, أُحِلَّ لَكُمْ لَيْلَةَ السِّيَامَ الرَّفَذُ إِلَى نِسَائِكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Baqarah that in the night of Ramadan, on the fasting night, it is permissible for you to be with your family and have relations with your family, your women. So no doubt the effects of that is having been in a state of junub. So the effects are still there, meaning that you're in a state of junub, but it does not affect your fast. Just like the one that is doing Umrah or Hajj, they perfume themselves before Ihram, but the smell is still there and it does not nullify the Ihram. And that's one of the proofs that's mentioned by the ulama such as Imam Shafi'i rahimullah ta'ala. Another point here, the final point regarding this hadith is that no doubt from, from Minahit al-Qiyas kathalik, no doubt that analogy that Allah has made it permissible that in the night of Ramadan that a man can be with his woman and a woman can be with her man, her husband and wife now. It's been made permissible. So that which necessitates that permissibility is that you'd wake up Junub because the night is up until Fajr. And it's permissible to have relations with your family up until Fajr. So no doubt when the Adhan comes, that impermissibility goes away. You cannot in the days of Ramadan. So it necessitates that you will be in a state of junub, needing that, uh, in a state of major impurities, or needing that spiritual bath, that ghusl, at the Adhan of Fajr. And another benefit on top of that is likewise the person in the day of Fajr, sorry, in the day of Ramadan, Nahar Ramadan, if they were to have, take a nap and then have nocturnal emissions or have um, a, a wet dream, as they, uh, as they say, during the day, it does not nullify, it does not nullify the Barakalafikum fasting for that day so these are the arguments that the ulama have mentioned but what i like to mention at the end of that barakallahu fikum is that abu huera he took back his, his opinion and that is established in the sahihain that he took it back and he remained on the salamakumullah the, the statement of aisha anha, and um salama regarding this affair and this shows you the tawadu' and the humility of the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In that Abu Hurairah, who is an alim in his own right, muhaddith, most narrator of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but he humbled himself to the dalil, humbled himself to the proofs and evidence, and he retracted his initial fatwa ruling as it relates to this affair. So in conclusion, the individual that wakes up in the state of Junub, then it is indeed permissible for them or their, their fasting is still valid. Their fasting 
is still valid. Another issue has just come to my mind. And that is this from this is also a proof for the permissibility, for example, of uh, or the validity of the fast of a woman, for example, who during the night she finished her menstrual cycle. She finished her menstrual cycle in the middle of the night. Or the postnatal period has ended in the middle of the night. So it's occurred in the middle of the night while she is sleeping, for example. And then she wakes up at the Adhan of Fajr and realizes that during the night that she has finished, or she had finished her menstrual cycle or the postnatal period. Likewise, in this situation, it is her fast for that day is valid. Her fast for that day is valid. Why? Because it's the same as the, in, as the one who wakes up Junab. He needs ghusl, just as she needs ghusl. She needs to make that spiritual bath like the man. So that is a qiyas, an analogy that works. So therefore, for the brothers, for the sisters who are in that situation, they have to continue their fasting for that day. But for both situations where the person is either waking up in that state of junub, needing to make ghusl, the bath, uh, because of being junub, or the woman who has ended her cycle, they must make sure that they do ghusl and give themselves enough time to pray the fajr on time. They must pray the fajr on time. This is the, 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 the important factor here. They must pray fajr on time and give themselves enough time to do that. And likewise, because it occurred at night, that they, uh, their uh, menstrual cycle or the postnatal period ended during the night, that means that they would also have to pray Maghrib and Isha. As is mentioned by Sheikh Abdulaziz Al-Alama, Abdulaziz Ibn Baz, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala. They have to make that up because it's made it's obligatory upon them. They're still in the state of having to have prayed Maghrib and Isha at night. Those are some of the issues that branch from this amazing hadith. And if you look at this, it's just one jumla, one sentence. And in this, we can extrapolate many ahkam and rulings from this, and we can continue. And this is from the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this ummah by having this Nabi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to transmit to us that which is obligatory upon us and upon us as it relates to worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now. Al-Hadith al-Sadis, the sixth hadith. And that is an Abi Huraira, we're in the next hadith now, the sixth one. An Abi Huraira radiyallahu the messenger وسلم, said in the hadith of Abi Huraira, 
that the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said whoever eats or drinks forgetting that they are fasting then they should continue their fast because verily allah has fed them and given them drink allah has given them the food and drink and this is a hadith in bukhari and muslim kama ta'rifun regarding this hadith we deal with a few points and masail and issues in order to further understand this amazing narration from rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the first point is the rawi of the hadith the narrator of the hadith and he is abi hurairah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu we have studied his biography in the previous narrations so please refer back to that and inshallah i'm sure bi idnillah ta'ala that we remember that his name is abdurrahman ibn sakhr that his name is abdurrahman ibn sakhr and some of the ulama have said his name is abdullah but the correct opinion his name is abdurrahman but we're not going to go into detail again as we mentioned previously as relates to this narrator because we've done it already inshallah point number 2 we're going to give a title to this hadith to help us further understand this narration and the title is as follows hukm as-sawmi man akala aw shariba nasiyan and that is the ruling of the fast of the individual who forgetfully eats or drinks in the daytime of ramadan that's point number 2 point number 3 is that in this narration here in the lafz and the wording of bukhari imam bukhari he mentions fa akala wa shariba fa akala wa shariba and he mentions bukhari is is the, the wording in, in his hadith or in the hadith that's narrated in his book the sahih eats and drinks in the narration we have now is eats or drinks and both wordings apply eats or drinks or eats and drinks both wordings are ascribed to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this is more of an affirmation of him eating and drinking he eats and drinks not or and drinks adding to the certainty of this affair the next point we're going to mention is some fawaid and benefits that we can take from this hadith the first general benefit is that the one who eats when they uh, when they in the day when they're fasting they eat forgetfully their fa- their fast is still valid their fast is still valid wa yuqasu alayhima bi baqiyat al mufattirat and with that we can make an analogy of all of the other affairs that breaks one's fast as some of the ulama have mentioned the cupping as for 
having relations with the family forgetfully, this is a major issue that the ulama they differed in. Some of the ulama, such as Anawi, rahimullah, he says that if that is done when they, uh, it happens forgetfully, that also they're excused. Because of another narration, man aftara fi Ramadan nasiyan. Another narration that whoever breaks their fast forgetfully, so that includes all of the other affairs that break the fast, including having relations with your family. And this is the Zahir Kalam uh, Ibn Uthaymin Rahimullah. But other ulama, they say there's no, it's not possible that one can forget to, uh, uh, in, regarding such an act. So it's a big difference of opinion with the ulama. And I say, Allahu A'lam. I say, Allahu A'lam. Allah knows best. Point number two is that the fast of the individual, so the individual who, who, who eats in the, on a fasting day forgetfully, it does not make their fast that day more deficient. Because the Prophet said, Falyatim. Look at the fiqh of Ibn Thaymin, rahimullah. He said, let them complete it. It means it's not going to be deficient. Let them complete it. That's a, that's a literal word in Ya Ibadullah. Let them complete it. Falyatim. Let them complete it, meaning it won't be deficient. Just because he or she has eaten or, 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 or broke their fast forgetfully. It doesn't make that fast that day any deficient. Benefit number three. And this is a, a beautiful benefit, subhanAllah. And that is... The amal al-nasi, the one that forgets, the legislation does not attribute the act to him. The one that forgets and does an action due to forgetfulness, the legislation does not ascribe that to him because it's occurred without his intentions or her intentions. And that is taken from the statement of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam فَإِنَّمَا أَطْعَمُهُ اللَّهِ وَسَقَّاهِ Verily, Allah fed him and Allah gave him drink. Look at the mercy of this deen of Al-Islam. One who forgot that they were fasting and they ate and they drink the Prophet ascribed it that Allah gave you that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you that. And this should, barakallahu feekum, increase us in the love of Allah. As it shows his mercy to his ibad. His mercy subhanahu wa ta'ala to his servants. And this should increase us in Iman and belief in the attributes, the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the perfect names and beautiful attributes, beautiful names and perfect attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from them is a rahmah, mercy. That you have eaten, you have, you, have you, you, you drink and you eat in the day of Ramadan through forgetfulness. 
and Allah has mercy on you. An example of the Rahmah, which shows you, Ya Ibadullah, and we must remember this, to see the effects of Allah's names and attributes, we can see in anything around us. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, and within yourselves, do you not see? Allah's given us enough proofs and evidences to have the Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how we're supposed to have Iman and belief and have faith in Him and His Tawheed, and His names and His attributes. Which is why Aqeedah in, uh, will enter in any affair. Every affair is connected to the Aqeedah, is connected to the Creed. And we're studying Siyam. And in this we see the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a refutation against the Jahmiyyah. A refutation against those who negate Allah's attributes. And from them is his mercy. And this is his mercy. Allah gave him that drink and food from his wisdom subhanahu wa ta'ala and his mercy. So we affirm the sifat al-hikmah, the, the, the attribute of Allah's wisdom and also his mercy subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from that, how can he not be the one that deserves to be worshipped alone? For in it is affirmation of the Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah as well. That he is the one that deserves to be worshipped alone. Just through this sentence here, Ibadullah. Showing the importance of studying the hadith of Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. And no doubt this brings us to the, the, the benefit again, number four. It shows the encompassing mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he's pardoning for his ibad and for the people. And the final benefit that we're going to take from this, أَنَّ مَنْ فَعَلَ فِي عِبَادَتِهِ مُبْتِلًا مَعْفُوًا عَنْهُ فَهُوَ مَأْمُورٌ بِالْمَضِي فِي عِبَادَتِهِ وُجُوبًا إِنْ كَانَتْ وَاجِبَةً وَاسْتِحْبَابًا إِنْ كَانَتْ تَطَوَّعًا أَنَّ مَنْ فَعَلَ فِي عِبَادَتِهِ مُبْتِلًا مَعْفُوًا عَنْهُ فَهُوَ مَأْمُورٌ بِالْمَضِي فِي عِبَادَتِهِ وُجُوبًا إِنْ كَانَتْ وَاجِبًا وَاسْتِحْبَابًا إِنْ كَانَتْ تَطَوَّعًا So this shows us, بَارَكَلَوْ فِيكُمْ that the one who doesn't act in worship or does something that nullifies or makes his worship invalid and it's his excuse for it, they have to continue doing that worship. And their continuing doing that worship is either obligatory if the initial ruling was obligatory or it's preferred if the initial ruling was preferred. Or if it's nafal or if it's uh, uh, not obligatory. Barakallahu feekum. And, and uh, from this also, the ulama have mentioned, and this has come to us, that uh, uh, this does not only apply to fasting that is obligatory. Even if you're fasting a fast that is the sunnah fast, and you forget and you drink, the same ruling applies. Why? Because in this hadith, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man nasiya, whoever forgets. And that hadha yafidu al-umum. Whoever forgets, without any specific type of fasting. Whether it's fasting in Ramadan, or fasting Yom Arafah, or fasting in the three days, the moon, or in fasting the Soma of Dawood, 
and and tasum wa tuf yoman wa tuftir yoman the fast of Dawood where you fast one day and then you break fast the the day after if you forget in any of these situations that you are fasting then and then you drink or you eat then once you remember you refrain from eating or drinking and your fast for whatever type of fast it is continues based upon this hadith man nasiya whoever forgets wahada man means is one of those wordings that necessitates is general illa idha jaa asarifu yusrifuhu an umum except if there is another narration that takes it away from this general wording Naam. and another point which the ulama have mentioned regarding this is that as soon as you remember you stop eating then you are excused up until you remember you are excused up until you remember so if you are eating or you have a bar of kit kat in your hand and you you're eating it you like that kit kat or the twix or whatever food and you've forgotten that you're fasting even if there's one chunk left you leave it you leave it because now you have left the realms of being excused because you're not forgetting now you know and the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam said man nasiya whoever forgets but you know you haven't forgotten you know that you're supposed to be fasting and you are fasting so you have to put that food down you have to put that food down al hadith al sabi' the final hadith that we're going to study today bi idhni llahi ta'ala rabbil arshil azim this is the hadith an abi huwata radiyallahu anhu قال بينما نحن جلوس عند النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذ جاءه رجل فقال يا رسول الله هلكت قال ما أهلكك قال وقعت على امرأتي وأنا صائب وفي رواية أصبت أهلي في رمضان فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم هل تجي هل تجد رقبة تعتقها قال لا قال فهل تستطيع أن تسوم شهرين متتابعين قال لا قال فهل تجد إطعام ستين إطعام ستين مسكينة قال لا فمكث النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فبين 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 نحن على ذلك إذ إذ أتي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعرق فيه تمر والعرق مقتل قال أين السائل قال أنا قال خذ هذا فتصدق به فقال أعلى أفقري مني يا رسول الله فوالله ما بين لابتيها أهل بيت أفقروا من أهل بيت من أهل بيتي فضحك رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حتى بدت انيابه ثم قال اطعمه اهلك and this hadith ذو 
fawaid kabira from this hadith or kathira and this hadith on rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which abu huraira again he narrated and said that whilst we were sitting with the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and um, if you look in the translation this is actually not mentioned but it should be added and that is he said بينما نحن جلوس in the Nabi and in many narrations variety and in this narration here in Umda he said sallallahu and when we were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam meaning the Sahaba were sitting amongst the, 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 the with the Prophet sallallahu and a man came and he said oh messenger of Allah I am ruined and the messenger said what has ruined you he said, I had sexual relations with my family yani, whilst I was fasting. And in another narration, to ahli. It, something occurred with my family in Ramadan. And it's understood that it was al-jima' relations. Fuqala Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the messenger said to him, Hal tajid, do you have enough yani, resources to free a slave and he said no and then he said can you fast two consecutive months and he said no and in another narration it said that he said i did not have patience with my wife for one day how can i do it for two months and he from refrain from staying away from his family and he said, no, I can't. And then the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, can you feed 60 poor people? And then he said, no, I don't have the ability to do this. For Mecca, the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sat and, and remained uh, a while. And when they were together, again, he mentioned, Abu Huraira, فَبَيْنَ نَحْنُ and they were still together the Prophet ﷺ sitting with so you could imagine the Prophet ﷺ and his companions and his companions around him can you imagine the beauty of that scene إِذْ أُتِيَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَمْ بِعَرَقٍ and the Messenger ﷺ was given فِيهِ تَمْرٌ وَالْعَرَقِ الْمُتَّلَنِ and he was given a basket of dates or a basket containing dates. A basket containing dates. And this here, part of this hadith, is actually an explanation from the narrator. Explanate, explaining what araq is. Araq with fatha on ayn and fatha on ra. Araq. And he's explaining that it had dates in it. And there are various narrations on how much or how many dates were in or the weight of the dates that were in that container and basket that was given, brought to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam regarding this qadiya, this affair. And then the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after receiving that basket, he said, Aina Sa'il, where's the questioner? Qala ana. He said, I'm, I am he. Qala khud bihi. Take this and give in charity with it. Meaning, feed the 60 
poor people with it. So shall I give it to somebody who's poorer than I am, O Messenger of Allah? And he said, by Allah, there's no one between the two mountains of Medina. There isn't anyone between the two mountains of Medina, basically in the whole city, from one, 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 uh, one side to the other side, Shimal, to the Junub, there's no one poorer than I am or poorer than my, fam my family is in Medina. So then the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he smiled with a laugh. He smiled with a laugh. Some of the ulama have mentioned in explaining what he did, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Until his premolar were present, meaning it was a smile, but it was not, not just a, a little, a short, um, uh, a, a, a little smile. It was a, it was a smile which had an element of laughter with it. And he sallallahu alayhi wa said, Feed your family with it. Feed your family with it. Regarding this hadith, there are many benefits, inshallah, that we can take from this. The first one is, he said, Abu Huraira, he said, And that we were sitting with the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this shows us the eagerness of the Sahaba to sit with the Messenger وسلم, and seek knowledge. And this is how we have to be with the people of knowledge and the ulama. We are eager to be around them and sit with them, maintaining the manners of the student. But you see the enthusiasm here, this is what they wanted to spend their time with, with the Messenger وسلم, and no doubt they their sitting was full of benefits and from the benefits is this occurrence of the man who came to the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and said that in the day of ramadan he had sexual relations with his wife and they learned the ruling as it relates to this and it shows the benefits of seeking ilm and the juhud and the hills and the enthusiasm of the sahaba radiyallahu ta'ala and whom in seeking knowledge from the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam Likewise, it shows the humility of the best of man. And that is bearing in mind that the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, being the best of man, the seal of the prophets, the close one to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, the one that Allah spoke to, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Kalimullah Khalilullah, and he has this humility to sit amongst his companions. Sitting with his companions, spending time with his companions. And this shows you the lofty manners of Rasulullah. The third benefit that we can take from this, or Inam, the first benefit is no doubt the Sahaba seeking knowledge. The second benefit is showing the humility of the Messenger. And I'm going to do it this way because of the length of the hadith. So we're going to go through the hadith and take benefits as we, as we go through the wordings. That's the second, third, ben, uh, third benefit, that a man came. Who is this man? And this is Mubham. And from the ilm of uh, hadith, the science of hadith, is the Mubhamat. 
And there is, that is that the ulama of hadith have authored books where the, um, there are narrations and the narrator, the occurrences or what have you, and we don't know who the person was. We don't know who the person was because he was mentioned a man. And it shows you the intricate and precision of the people of Hadith that they will search to find out who this man is and his name. And his name is Salama. His name is Salama. If you can jot that down. The name of the man is Salama. Radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Salama ibn Sakhar. So he has the same father's name as Abu Huraira, who's Abdurrahman ibn Sakhar. His name is Salama ibn Sakhar. And this is Al-Bayadi. Salama ibn Sakhar Al-Bayadi. Al-Bayadi. Ba-ya-mad and dad Al-Bayadi. As-Salama ibn Sakhar al-Bayadi. He's the man here that's mentioned in this hadith. And an, an extra benefit regarding this, obviously some of the ulama said his name is Salman. Some of the ulama say his name is Salman. But the alim Abu Umar um, Ibn Abdibar rahimullah ta'ala he said showing that his name is not Salman because there are only there are only, he said, uh, two Salmans from the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There are only two companions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. His name who is Salman. And that is mentioned in a tamheed and istithkar. He said, um, Ibn Abdibar, Salman wa hum wa laysa fi sahaba Salman illa Salman al-Farisi wa Salman ibn Amir. If you can write that down. Uh, there are only two Salmans with the name Salman from the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the first is Salman al-Farisi, and the second is Salman ibn Amir al-Dubbi. Now this is nice benefit from Ibn Abdibar rahimullah taala, showing that this some of the ulama said that the name of the Sahabu was Salman ibn Sakhar, but there are only two Salmans, and there's none that's called Salman ibn Sakhar. The only two Salmans that are mentioned in the books of hadith that are from the companions is Salman al-Farisi and Salman ibn Amir. And this individual, this Sahabi, his father's name was Sakhar. So he cannot be Salman ibn Sakhar because there's only two Salmans. So the correct opinion, his name is Salama. His name is Salama ibn Sakhar al-Bayadi. That's his name, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, the companion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Salama. After this, we move on to benefit number four. Benefit number four is that we're going to take some rulings that can be extrapolated from this hadith. The first is the severe sin of, or mighty sin, of having sexual relations in the daytime of Ramadan in the daytime of Ramadan. Why does it show this? 
was because the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he placed punishments and penalties regarding this. He connected the penalty of freeing a slave, which is a major deed, and then fasting two consecutive months, which is a major form of ibadah, worship. And if not feeding zakat, so we have freeing the slave, we have fasting or giving, feeding the poor. Hefty forms of worship as a means of a penalty for having sexual relations with the family during the daytime of Ramadan, showing the seriousness of this sin. It's hefty. It's not something light. Benefit number two. And that is that the Messenger وسلم, has placed the penalty for one who does this in the day of Ramadan, that it has, to, it has been done in tartib, it has been done in order, meaning that the first port of action is that they should free a slave. And some of the ulama say it's a free a believing slave. But if they can't do that, then they go to the next port of uh, uh, port, and that is fasting two consecutive months. But if they don't have the ability to fast two consecutive months, then they feed 60 poor people as a form of penalty for that act. And this shows you again the severity of the affair. In that the Messenger وسلم, even after the Sahabi Salama Radiallahu ta'anhu, the man, Salama, even after he told the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he was poor, he still was pushing for him to fulfill his penalty, showing that even a poor man, of which Salma is, Salama is, has to still fulfill and execute that penalty. So much so that the Messenger وسلم, helped him do it, which reinforces its importance. He helped him by giving him the arak, that, that basket full of tamar dates, to do it, to feed the poor person. And even after that, he said, I'm the poorest. He gave it to himself, showing that the Prophet وسلم, was persistent in the penalty for what he had done to be implemented showing that it's no light issue and it has to be done in that tartib it has to be done in that order so therefore we go to the next benefit and that again I've, I've, I've mentioned it within the last one and that is that the penalty does not you're not um, the penalty is not lifted. The penalty is not lifted even if you don't have the ability. Like this man did not have the ability. He did not have the ability to do this. He did not have the ability to do that. Up until the third stage of feeding, he didn't have that wealth to do so. And then when he received it, he was the poorest person. The Messenger وسلم, did not lift the penalty from him. And then the next benefit that we can take from this is that the said al-haja muqaddimun ala kafara. And that even though he was the one who 
fell into that error of having relations with his family in the daytime of Ramadan. Due to his need, it overwhelmed the penalty, meaning that even though he was the one that, 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 uh, that fell into it, he received the fruits of the penalty. He received the fruits of the penalty by the dates being given to him. Why did this occur? Because of his need that he was poor and destitute. And this brings us to the next benefit. It shows the mercy of the deen of Islam. In that, and that's why the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he smiled with a slight laugh. In that he, Salama ibn Sakhrin al-Bayadi rahimullah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu rahimah, he was the one that fell into that error, but yet he received the fruits of that. That he came to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saying, Halakt, Fama ahlakuka. He said, Halakt, I'm ruined. That's how he came. He came to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saying that he is ruined because of what he had done. So he repented. And he made tawbah. And he wanted to find a way to, to expiate and to redeem himself. He came in that condition and left with dates. He came in the condition of someone who had done something wrong and felt that he was ruined. And by the time he left the messenger, وسلم, he left with a basket full of dates. Which is why the messenger وسلم, laughed, smiled. Showing the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The mercy of the deen of Islam. Do you know a religion like this here, Ibadallah? This is the deen of Islam. Complete. Dealing with all affairs, every single affair. And putting everything in its place. And this is an example in this hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu This qissa azimah. The next benefit that we can take from uh, this hadith is that some of the ulama have mentioned it shows the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has prohibited having relations with the family during the daytime of Ramadan because it weakens you. So it weakens the individual and then the fasting will become more difficult. So this prohibition is a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we mentioned when we studied together last week, the blessings of a sahur, suhoor, and eating the sahur. The blessings of this, of eating the sahur, the pre-dawn meal, is that it gives us the strength to complete the fast effectively and likewise this prohibition of having relation with the family in the daytime of fasting is to make help us as well so we have the strength full strength to complete the fast and this is from the wisdom of allah subhanahu ta'ala and his mercy and again it reminds us of the sifa to rahmah and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the attribute of mercy, 
and that therefore no doubt proves that he is the one that deserves to be worshipped alone without any partners subhanahu wa ta'ala after this there is another benefit and that is jawaz al-half ala ma yaghlibu ala and that is it's permissible to say wallahi if you're not 100% sure but you're leaning towards the case being the you you're close to being sure but you're not 100% sure that which is overwhelming in your estimation you can swear by it and that is taken clearly from the statement of salama the man radiyallahu ta'ala when he said to the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam fa wallahi he swore by allah ma bayna labitayha ahl baytin afqar min ahl bayti he said wallahi by allah there isn't anyone between medina the, the in the whole city rather that is poorer than i am he said wallahi even though he probably does not have the full knowledge of the state of every single person in medina but he said wallahi because to the best of his knowledge that which is overwhelming for him in his recognition or knowledge of the state of medina is that he's the poorest and there may be of somebody who's poorer so it's not always connected that one swears by allah out of certainty and why is this okay and that is because the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not correct him when he said wallahi even though it is well known that he doesn't he doesn't know every single individual he doesn't have the ability to do that but the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not reprimand him for swearing by allah for something he did not have certainty regarding and we have a qaida a principle and that is la yajuz ta'khirul bayan and that is that it is not permissible to delay correcting something and clarifying something at the point and when it's needed and this is from the son of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he did not correct him at that point which means it was not needed it was okay for him to swear by allah in an issue that he was not 100% sure regarding or he did not have 100% knowledge regarding naam and that's taken from this hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam another benefit that the ulama have taken from this is that when somebody comes la yushaddid ala man adnaba dhanban thumma jaa taiban minhu we do not deal harshly with somebody who has fallen into a sin or an error and then they make tawbah and they repent we're not harsh with them we welcome them we aid them in their repentance and this is clear from this hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam salama radiyallahu ta'ala he came he wanted to exonerate himself and he wanted to find out what he could do the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam was gentle with him 
taught him what he had to do in the maratib of the different stages and took him through his repentance and guided him to the end in which he ended up having the dates for his family. Showing the importance of not being harsh and showing unf, shidda to the person who repents from the error and they want to repent. We aid them in that. And if they are sincere, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them tawfiq. Another benefit that we can take from this is the manners of the Messenger and that is he وسلم, showed etiquette with his companions he وسلم, he showed etiquette with his companions and this is an important benefit as we mentioned before and he وسلم, showed good manners with Salama this companion that fell into the error and this shows us ikhwa, the fruits of studying the hadith of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam studying the hadith studying the ahkam in order to understand that which is pleasing to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which will bring us closer to him and that brings us to the conclusion of today's lesson wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyyina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين